And it's amazing how he can open up understanding and wisdom. In marriages, he gives you peace and humility. In parenting, he gives you patience and, and uh, insights. And so God calls us together the first day of the week to begin with him and with one another for the empowerment for the rest of the week, for us to be the salt and light of the world until we come back together again every Sunday morning. That's a good plan, isn't it? I think Jesus might know what he is doing. So my name is John. I'm the lead pastor of the Gathering Place Church. If you're visiting, welcome. Good to have you here. We're gonna, we've been going through the book of John. And uh, so we're going to dive back into the Bible this morning. The Bible says that it is settled forever in heaven. The Word of God is settled forever in heaven. Nobody's arguing about the Bible in heaven. It's clear as the noonday sun, even clearer than the noonday sun in heaven, that the Word of God is the Word of God. It's in the earth that it's the battle. When Satan came against Jesus to tempt him in the same ways that Satan tempts you and I, Jesus didn't call him names. He didn't yell at him. He simply quoted scripture at the devil, scripture that Moses had written down a couple thousand years earlier, and the devil respected it. And I have a word from the Holy Spirit right now to release the children and the teenagers. Go! That, that word from the Holy Spirit was confirmed by the, by the youth workers in the back going like this. Also, hey, Mike, are we Facebook Live right now? I'm going to give a shout-out to the Gronin Dolls. Gronin Dolls, yo. So the Gronin Dolls have a child um, who is uh, in, in serious need of a miracle. And we're going to pray for you guys in just a little bit and pray for baby Danny. So... But we're going to get into the Word of God first because I want the faith that will come through the preaching of the Word to strike your hearts, Jim and Laura, and us as a body. Uh, and we'll pray for the Gronin dolls, but also for all the other needs that are represented in this house. Um, when the faith level goes up, then our prayers release heaven on earth. So, And the Word of God is where the faith comes from. So let's pray and let's get into the Bible. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for the men and women who gave their lives for us to have this divinely inspired, perfect word of God in our laps this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you because you are the teacher. And we ask you to illuminate our hearts and our minds and fix anything that is not right, any thinking that is wrong, any theology that is not yours. And we pray that you illuminate Jesus to us today so we can walk with him more closely, love him more deeply, and serve him with greater energy and strength and desire. You produce all these things, Holy Spirit, so we welcome you in this house. Amen. Amen. So, let's go to the book of John, chapter 4. Mark preached probably the best message I've ever heard on the woman at the well last week. They were my notes. I loaned my notes to him, but he preached it better than I've ever heard it preached. And so I'm going to pick up where he left off, which is in John chapter 4. Now, my intent, I studied John, the end of John 4, end of John 5. But as I was meditating last night, and I, I preached to you multiple times before I actually do it live. And I can feel the timing of it and the depth of it and what the Holy Spirit might say and do. So I doubt that we're going to get into John 5 today. So I asked Mark if he could jump into John 6 when he teaches next week. So I can come back to John 5 because I studied really hard. And he said, great. So we'll see what happens. But today, I want to start by saying this. Jesus is the most compassionate when we are the most desperate. Jesus is the most compassionate when we are the most desperate. When I was in my early 20s, the Lord spoke something to me, and it just it 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 embarrassed me, honestly. He said to me, "You despise weaknesses, and I'm easily touched by them." Now that's not very encouraging, is it? You know, when the Lord says things like that to you, and you get caught realizing how much like Him you're not. 
I remember one time Mark and I were driving down the freeway here, freeway 15, as the senior pastor of the church, and I had the associate pastor in the car. I'm thinking, you know, I need to, I need to inspire my, my associate pastor and cast vision. And, you know, you know, I said, Mark, we're leading the spiritual community, man. We, we need to do everything we can to be as most like Jesus as we possibly can. And he said, oh, I gave up on that a long time ago. I said, what? He said, I just decided to try not to be like the devil as much as possible. Isn't that encouraging for you to have a pastoral staff that has lowered the bar so far? But the reality is, the longer we live, the more we realize how broken we all really are. And how much we all really are dependent on Jesus. I was witnessing to somebody yesterday, and they basically said to me, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm fine. I don't... And I said, yeah, you know, unfortunately, I said, everybody needs Jesus. I said, unfortunately, it's usually a tragedy or some kind of loss or some kind of deep suffering or something that actually makes us aware of our need for Jesus. But the reality is we all need Jesus because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And nobody's getting to heaven except through Jesus Christ himself. He was in my car and we're driving up the 78. So it was a, you know, he was a, a trap. He was trapped. I mean, he's not getting out. All right. So I decided just to go ahead and go for it. So now 30 years later, I just realize that we're all broken. We're all weak. Some are weaker than others, but all of us sometimes fall into a pit. And if we don't get help from someone, we're not going to make it. Isn't that true? And that's what we're going to see in these next two stories. Are people that are in a situation that if it's not for a miracle, they're not going to make it. I've been in that situation multiple times over the last 30 some years walking with the Lord. If if you've been in a situation like that before, you raise your hand. All right. So the majority of you. The rest of you, it's coming. All right, here we go. So in John chapter 4, starting at verse 46. So Jesus came to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. We looked at that miracle. And there was a certain nobleman, a royalty, uh, up and outer, I call them. You know, we, we, call, we say Jesus came for the down and outers. I believe he also came for the up and outers. Whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea to Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and to heal his son. For he was at the point of death. So this is a pretty desperate situation. I have found... That the greatest miracles happen in the times of greatest desperation. I don't know why desperation moves God so deeply other than put it into a parental context. Where when my children are truly suffering, whether it's, you know, something that happens at school and they get rejected from their social group and they are just really depressed and feeling like they don't have any friends. Or whether it's a a, a chronic illness or some kind of tragedy I found that when we are desperate, the biggest miracles invade that space and literally turn the situation completely around. And that's what God does. I don't know how I, well, I said to the Lord one day when I was in a really, really desperate place and I cried out to him and he touched me and reignited my soul all over again. And I said to him after he touched me, I said, I don't know how people in the world are making it without you. Another one of these statements that he responds and you feel dumb. I don't know how people in the world make it without you. And he said, they're not. I was like, duh. Then Jesus said to him. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. I love this guy's answer. Then the noble man said to him, Sir, it's not time for a sermon right now. <laughs> you know, you're frustrated and that's great, but right now I need your attention and I need a miracle. I love this response. Jesus just kind of goes off to this little 
blowing off some steam, you know, you people won't believe unless you see signs and miracles. And he says, he says, sir, come down before my child dies. Ah, the power of Jesus. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. I just love the authority of Christ. I mean, he didn't need a big prayer meeting. He didn't need a worship team. He didn't even pray. He just spoke. Your son lives. What authority. What power. What dominion. And he's still speaking today. One word from the living God into your life changes your situation like that. How many of you have experienced that before? Just raise your hand again. I mean, God is God, isn't he? I remember I had Jeff Forsman as a member of our church. I was on the phone with him yesterday. And uh, I was talking to him about he, he did, uh, I think, 27 years in the military, Master Chief. And he, he retired last year. And he was going into transition and and uh, it was, you know, it's, it's, that's a massive change of life. What am I going to do for a career, you know? And, uh, and I remember shepherding him through that season. And yesterday I'm on the phone with him and I said, man, you landed really well. You got a new house. Your wife's good. Your kids are good. You got a great job. You're provided for. And he said, tithe. I said, what? He said, you got to tithe. <laughs> he starts preaching at me, right? And then he reminded me of his testimony where he was thousands of dollars upside down before he got out of the military. And he didn't know how he was going to make it. And he's trying to put ends together. He got a financial plan. It was going to be like five, six, seven years before he got out of debt. And he was really stressing out. And the Lord spoke to him to tithe, to give 10% of his income to, to the kingdom of God. And it was crazy. But he, just, he did it anyway. And he said, once he started doing that, God started doing things that were so outside of his human capability, and he was out of debt within six months. Now, the Lord spoke to him, like I was saying, how Jesus can speak, and it could change your life. Now, I find it easier to believe God when he speaks a word to your heart like a spontaneous word or a dream because you wake up and it's just so relevant and so like alive. And it like it, it creates this dimension of faith where you just believe because he spoke it to you. One time I remember I was, uh, had a, an apartment. I had a buddy of mine sleeping on the couch out in East San Diego. I, I was single. Hope didn't kick me out or anything. I was single at the time. That was a joke. My wife didn't kick me out of the house. That's not why I was okay. And uh, so I remember I was single in my 20s, buddy sleeping on the couch, don't have any money in the bank, barely making enough money to pay my bills. I'm part-time at a church out in East County, and I'm at the gas station pumping the gas, and the Lord spoke to my heart right there at the gas pump and said, I'm going to give you a home, a house. It's like, whoa. And I just knew it was going to happen because he spoke his word to me. Filled my heart with faith. I go back to my apartment and I told my roommate, I said, hey, Clay, God says he's going to give me a house. And you know what Clay said to me? I hope you're listening. Clay said, Johnny, I want you to know something. I believe you're a man of God. I want you to know that. And when this doesn't happen, I'm still going to believe you're a man of God. So don't worry about it. That's what he said to me. I'm like, man, I need new friends. <laughs> 30 days later, I owned my first home. And guess who was sleeping on my couch in my house? But you know what the, you know what the Apostle Peter said, which is just absolutely critical? I want you to go with me to um, 2 Peter chapter, chapter 2. Second Peter chapter two, this is really important because especially in a spirit filled charismatic church where we believe that God is still speaking to us today. I mean, what father wouldn't speak to his children, right? I mean, can you imagine if my kids wanted to talk to me and I said, I wrote you a letter, go read that. 
God is still speaking to you today in many, 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 many ways. When people say God's not talking to me like he's really mad at me or really disappointed, I say, you're believing the lie of the devil. God is absolutely talking to you. In fact, if, if you've really blown it, he's talking to you more about your restoration. He knows you need him more than ever. I mean, he's not that sensitive. He doesn't get easily offended. I think it's shame that clogs our spiritual ears and causes us to say, God's mad at me. He's not talking to me. Look, Jesus already died on the cross. Already paid the price for all of our sin and our shame. Rose from the dead, broke the power of death, not for God to say, hmm, I'm mad at you. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. At least for a day. He does not give us the silent treatment. Didn't we just sing, you're a good, good father. That's who you are, right? Didn't we all sing that? I think we ought to start believing it. What do you think? So God speaks, I believe God speaks to us spontaneously every day. And he speaks things that give us faith, vision, zeal. He's the source of revival. His voice is the source of life itself. But look at what the Apostle Peter writes regarding the voice of God. Starting in verse 16 and 2 Peter chapter 2, and then we'll pop back over to John. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him. For he received, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. Remember when John was being, or Jesus was being baptized by the, John the Baptist? And a voice came out of heaven, a spontaneous voice came out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus needed the Father's voice because he was about to go into 40 days, the 40, 40, 40 of the hardest days of his entire life, to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. When you're going into a battle, and God knows it. He will speak to you. My wife went through cancer last year. The day before she got diagnosed, the Lord spoke to her and said, plan for longevity. She's like, what does that mean? Why would God say that to me? I mean, she was in the bathroom. She's brushing teeth. Plan for longevity. Just rose up in her heart. So she wrote it on a piece of paper and put it on her mirror. The same day the Lord spoke to me in my prayer time, in my heart. When I say spake to me, I don't mean an audible voice. Some hear audible voice. My wife has heard the audible voice of God a couple times. But usually it's just an impression or a thought in your mind. And you just know that was not from me. I mean, God can do that. You know that, right? I mean, he's God. And he does live inside of us. I mean, a whisper from God can just shatter you. And he said to me, Feed your soul, for the journey is long. I thought, wow, what does that mean? Well, the next day, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And most of you know the journey we've been through, and she's completely healed and well, and we're back on track and running fast with God. But that was one brutal valley of the shadow of death we went through. But it was the God's voice that sustained us. But look what Peter says after he says that Jesus heard the audible voice of God and we walked with Jesus Christ himself and heard his words. Look what Peter says next. And we heard this voice which came from heaven and we were with him on that holy mountain. Yet we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you'll find out in a second. He's talking about the prophetic word. He's talking about the Bible, the written word of God. He's saying that the spontaneous voice of God in your life is simply confirming what God has already written, which he's about to say is superior to the audible voice of God. The Bible, the written word of God, he's saying, is, has more authority than a word, a spontaneous prophecy, a word to your heart, a dream, a vision, the subjective, spontaneous 
communications from God. Peter is saying the Bible has more authority than all that stuff. We have a more, we have the prophetic word confirmed. Would you do well to heed the Bible as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts? In other words, Peter's saying, you need to meditate the word of God, the written word of God until revelation breaks open in your heart and faith rises. He says, knowing that first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for the prophecy never came by the will of man, man, but the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to John. So what am I saying? You don't need to wait for a spontaneous prophetic word of God to your life or your situation. You can go right into the word of God. The already written Bible. Mix your faith with the promises of God. Meditate those promises until revelation comes and faith arises and you pray with faith for heaven on earth in your situation. When you and I come to a place where if God said it, we believe it and that settles it. When we come to that place, we're going to start seeing more and more and more of heaven on earth because faith is the key that unlocks heaven. So look at the, you know how many times Jesus said to people that came to him, your faith has made you well. According to your faith, be it unto you. If you have the faith of God, the God kind of faith, Mark 11, you shall speak to this mountain and it will do what you say. Jesus is trying to teach us how to walk in his kind of faith. Remember one time his disciples were trying to cast the demon out of a boy that they called epilepsy. And Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration where he is shown like the sun. He comes down into this situation. And he's like, what's going on here? And his disciples said, this dad brought his son to us and we couldn't cast the devil out of him. And Jesus says, bring, the, bring him here to me. And he cast the devil out of him. And then the, the disciples privately said, how come we couldn't do that? Because they'd already cast devils out, healed the sick, even raised the dead. They said, how come we couldn't do that? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. And then he gave him a teaching on faith. And then he said, but this kind, this kind of stronghold, this kind of devil doesn't come out except by prayer and fasting. So Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and he's trying to teach us how to walk in faith. So that we can see people saved, healed and delivered all over the planet. So this. When Jesus said to him, this is my point, go your way, your son lives. Look at this next phrase. So the man, say it out loud. Say say that word out loud. So the man, come on church, the man, again, the man, oh, come on church, the man, oh, I'm starting over. Verse one. All right. You know, I'm going to go back to verse 48. I'm going to show you something. This is so important for us as the body of Christ, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus. Jesus says in verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. I want to, I want us to look at that word wonder and what that actually means in the book of Acts chapter 15, verse 12. You don't have to go there, but you can back there. Um, Mike Acts, Acts 15. Yeah. In fact, I want you to go there. Acts, Acts 15, 12. I want you to see something. This is so important that we understand who we're walking with. The God that we love, the God who loves us, the God that goes to work with us on Monday mornings. Helps us parent our children on Wednesday afternoons when they go home from school. The God who is helping us father and husband and wife and mother and employee and employer. And the God that's walking with us every day of our lives. We need to understand who we're dealing with here. 
In verse 12, it says in the book of Acts, Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul, declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Before we're reading Jesus saying, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. Now it's not Jesus doing them. It's Barnabas and Paul. And then some say, yeah, well, that was Barnabas and Paul. Well, then Stephen, who was just a guy who volunteered to pass out, Philip and Stephen volunteered to pass out bread to widows. They end up working in signs, miracles, and wonders. They were not apostles. And it has not stopped. And now it's your and my turn. That's why I'm trying to elevate our faith today through looking at the Word of God so that we will start believing God for, look at this word, wonders. You want to hear the definition of the word wonder here? Listen to this. The word wonder is teratology, the science that deals with unexplainable phenomena. Teros, which is the Greek word, denotes extraordinary occurrences, supernatural prodigies, omens, portents, I don't know what that is, unusual manifestations, miraculous incidents, portending the future rather than the past, and acts that are so unusual they cause the observer to marvel or to be in awe. Wonders. Touch man's intellect, emotions, and will. God wants us to believe him for wonders. God wants us to pray for people to where they wonder. You know what I did with my friend who I was sharing faith with uh, yesterday? A few days ago, I went to their house to pick him up. And their dog had this, his hind leg was completely... um, Blown up. And they said, we have no idea what's the matter with him. And I'm in their garage, right? And I don't really, I don't really know these people. I mean, my, my daughter and his daughter are friends. Like best of friends. They're in middle school. And this is her dad. And I asked him to come to my house to help me. He's a carpenter. Hey, I got some work in the house. Can you help me out? Yeah, sure. So I go to his house. I'm in his garage. There's his wife. Who I've only met a few times. And there's the dog. It comes in and licked me and jumping on me. And I was like, what's wrong with his leg? It's all blown up. He goes, oh, I don't know. And I'm, I'm thinking, here's a moment. Here's the moment. Here's the moment to look like a freak. What am I going to do? Am I going to go for a wonder? Or am I going to play it safe so that my daughter doesn't say, Dad, what are you doing praying for my friend's dad's dog? Now they think you're weird. I mean, all this thing goes through your head, right? And I just, I, I just take risks. I'm like, I would rather take risks and see the kingdom than play it safe and see nothing. And I said, hey, can I, can I pray for your dog? And they just kind of both looked at me. And I just went, I, in the name of Jesus. And I'm laying hands on the dog's hind leg. And the dog's like, oh, you know, licking me. And I'm praying. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, this has got to work. You know, I'm like, oh. <laughs> so that was a few days ago. He was at my house yesterday doing carpentry. I said, how's your dog? He goes, yesterday he, just, he, was, he was jumping up and playing like he used to. And he was running around. And I said, how's his leg? And he says, it's, it's down. It's completely gone. Wow. Yeah. I said, so you believe in miracles? He said, you got to believe in miracles. I said, all right, well. Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to tell you what. My dog, a few weeks ago, was on his deathbed. We had him. He got attacked by a neighbor dog and has his gut ripped open. For three months, we've had him in acute care every day shooting. We had, we had the syringe. We shoot. They, they made um, um, canals, you know, holes in his stomach so that we could shoot uh, antibiotic solution through there. We've been doing this for three months every day. Been out of cone, you know, has the cone of shame on. And uh, it's not healing. And we've dealt with our neighbor, and he's paid $1,000 and another $1,000 in the homeowner's insurance. And, and then my dog starts bleeding out of those holes, and it was a mess. And all my kids are down at the vet. I'm there, Hope's there. We're in this little room, and we're in there for like two or three hours. 
and the doctor saying it's, you need to have an immediate operation. You know, five, five is going to be about five thousand dollars plus. So my neighbor said my homeowner's insurance isn't paying anymore. I said, well, let me have their number. So I'm on the phone with the insurance adjuster, and I'm going at it with him. And he says, well, I won't be able to tell you till tomorrow whether we're going to pay for an extra surgery or not. So there I am. I hang up, and there's my dog bleeding. And Lily, my 12-year-old is, is well, 13-year-old, sorry, Lily, pushing. Hold, they say, you have to keep pressure on this wound, or he's going to bleed out. You need to have a surgery immediately. I said, well, we don't have $5,000. Nor am I going to pay another $5,000 for our dog. Um, and so I was, about, I, was, I was about to say, what do you need to put, put Oreo down? The kids, you know, crying and that whole thing was just miserable. And Lily says to me, Dad, I will stay up with him all night long and I will hold my hand on those holes and not let him bleed out. And she begged me, do not let him be put down. And so I gave in. And actually, I think, Nana, you were the one that stayed up all night. But anyway. My mother-in-law in in the back. (laughs) So the insurance company called finally three days later, said they're not going to pay for the whole thing. They pay for half of it, and we still can't do it. And so we decided that we were just going to believe God and pray and just keep him alive as long as we could until he just died. And we laid hands on him. The Bible says a man cares for the life of his beast. My dog is my beast. So we laid hands on our dog. And the holes started closing up. And the holes are now completely closed. And he does not look sick at all. And last night, Nana and I were talking about it. And she said, I think God just wanted to get it so beyond anybody's, any possibility that he could survive. So that God would get all the glory. Isn't that beautiful? When he was born, he had an enlarged heart. These are wonders. And I had an x-ray, a large heart. They said he'll live about three or four years. So we laid hands on him. Ellie and I laid hands on him. And all of a sudden, all the symptoms went away. And I called up and I said, hey, uh, will all the symptoms normally go away with a dog with a large heart? She goes, yeah, well, with the medication. I said, well, we're not giving him the medication. She said, no. Took him in about a year later for something else. They had another x-ray. And I said, hey, by the way, what's his heart look like? Does he have a large heart? And they said, it was a different doctor. I said, no. <whistles> Do we get our prayers answered all the time? No. Like the disciples, why couldn't we cast it out? Why couldn't we heal the son? We would usually say, well, because it wasn't God's will. That's not what we believe around here. We believe that Jesus died for our sins, our sicknesses, our diseases. We're contending for the kingdom. We get up to the plate and we keep swinging. And every once in a while, we get a miracle. Amen? And if we don't get it, we just keep praying uh, until we either get the miracle or somebody goes on to heaven. I believe all dogs go to heaven. So we just keep praying and we keep swinging. And that's how we roll around here. So I'm going to ask uh, Les Merida to come up and give a testimony. Um, as we read down through this passage, the man goes home and he finds out that his son is alive. And he asks, when did he start recovering? And when they told him the hour, it was the exact hour that Jesus spoke the word and the man believed. And it says the man and his whole household believed. So this miracle of healing led the whole family to the Lord. That's called power evangelism, where we pray for the sick, they get healed, and then you say, let me tell you about the healer. He's got something more for you, which is more important than your physical healing, and that is the salvation of your soul and the forgiveness of your sins. See, that's why Jesus calls them signs. Supernatural encounters from the Lord are called signs. Signs point you somewhere. Like you come on this campus, you want to know where the nursery is? There's a sign that says nursery with an arrow. That's what healings are. It's full of compassion. Jesus heals us because he loves us and he has compassion on our weaknesses. But more importantly, it's a sign directing us back to the Savior, back to the healer. And for those who have not yet come to Christ, and that might be you here today, 
Jesus does miracles in your life as a sign to point you to him for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can be saved, which is the biggest miracle of all. And so I've asked less. Now, I asked less because I could continue to tell you stories, but you'll say, oh, but because he's the pastor. So that's why God's using him. I could ask Mark up here. He'd tell you stories all day long. Oh, that's because he's also a pastor. We could read the Bible. Oh, well, that's the Apostle Paul. We could read the Bible. Oh, well, that's Jesus Christ. So I've asked a commoner. (laughs) Les is a lawyer. He works in the corporate world. He was in the evangelical world where they never heard about signs, miracles, and wonders as part of the Christian package. He came to our church, started seeing these things, and he said, I want to play too. So he started going after Jesus for gifts of healings and prophecies, and now his stories are better than ours. He'll be in a cab somewhere in Chicago. He'll be in some seminar in old Texas or Facebook or call and say, man, I had this great deal. I had a word of knowledge. And I spoke to this person, and then I prayed for them, and they got healed, and they got saved. There's great stories. I want Les to tell a story so that you can realize that you are who Jesus wants to use in your circle of influence. Amen. Les. Let's welcome Les. Thank you, John. Uh, John asked me to talk about incidents of power evangelism. And uh, two came to mind quickly. They came through the food and prayer that our church has established and where I learned to pray for the sick. Uh, One was in the Resurrection Church in Poway behind the Ford dealer, which is the third Thursday of each month. And the other was at the Penasquitas Lutheran, which is the fourth Thursday of each month. And we we could still go, uh, all of us, to volunteer to either hand out food or pray for people. And this is where I met Mark and I went into the prayer room to learn how to pray for healing. Donette went out to, to hand out food. So we prayed for the sick for almost two years, seeing many people get healed, just because we thought that's what the Bible said for us to do. Various verses. Go as I, I send you now as God sent me. You know, Lay your hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. We just took those verses and began praying for the sick, and we started seeing people get healed. So next we wanted to try to start learning to hear from God because... I began to believe prophecy was real and people could hear from God. That was a total different concept to me. And slowly, after about two years of praying for the sick, I started to hear a little bit uh, from God. So I'm sitting at the uh, Trinity Church, and that was another place we're doing food and prayer. And a pastor called me over to help pray for a young man. Uh, He was a young Mexican man with severe neck and arm uh, injuries so that he couldn't he couldn't work and he was in a great deal of pain so he was a spanish-speaking pastor and he began to pray for the young man and i felt god tell me he's not saved so at a pause in the first juncture i said to the pastor i don't believe he's saved and he said no less he's saved he comes on the sunday the sunday spanish service where i preach you know i've known him for a long time he's saved so he starts talking to him again in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. I have no idea what they're saying. He stops again. And he says something about his girlfriend. He got in a fight with his girlfriend. I said, I don't think he's saved. Would you ask him if he's saved? And he said, I know he's saved. That's not it. Let me see what's going on. You know, so he, one more time he prays. And he stops. He says, I don't know, man. Let's just pray for his healing. And I said, would you please ask him exactly what I say right here? Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and come into your heart and lead you? Okay, Les, I'll ask him that. So he goes through it, and the guy says, uh-uh. <laughs> so he leads him in Spanish through uh, the, the prayer. He repents. And then we ask him, without having prayed for his shoulder, how does your neck and shoulder feel? And he's able to raise his arm, and he's able to move it all around, and he's like, oh, wow, what just happened? And that was just an idea. God was pursuing him and wanted him to be saved, and we yeah. weren't getting clearly the message. Yeah. And once he accepted Jesus, he was healed in that moment. We didn't even have to pray for the healing. So that was a, one of the first times. Another time was over at the Resurrection Church, and I was starting to hear God a little bit better. And this family comes in. This young woman who's 17 or 18, kind of street smart, brings this family of three in, a 14-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son and a single mom. And she says, they've never been here before. They're not really used to churches. 
but I told them to come and pray because there's some things going on. And she points to the 14-year-old girl and says, and she doesn't talk. <laughs> okay. So I, I just said, Lord, let's pray for these people. If you have anything that you want us to pray about, please show me. So it feels like a, a hornet's nest. And I really feel like there's some turmoil going on in the family. So I asked him if there was some turmoil in the family, and the mom said, yeah, things have just been kind of difficult. And I got a picture in my mind of a pair of kidneys, and they had black spots on them. And I get this once in a while from the Lord that they may be a kidney problem. So I said, do any of you have a problem with your kidneys? And mom said, no, not that I'm aware of. I said, well, the Lord just showed me that somebody had a kidney problem that may be cancer. And the 14-year-old girl begins to cry. And it's one of her best friends at school had just been diagnosed with kidney cancer. Mm. And it had caused her a great deal of grief. And so now that that was revealed, we all prayed for the young man who had kidney cancer. So they go off and go back out to get their food. And a few minutes later, the street smart girl comes back in with a 14-year-old girl. And I said, what can I do for you? I said, she wants to come in and see how you did that. <laughs> so what do you mean? She says, how did you know about that boy? I said, I, I, God just revealed that as something that was going on in her life. She says, would you pray for her again? She wants you to pray for her. So I began to pray, and I asked, Lord, show me anything about this girl. Uh, and it kind of showed me that she had, uh, she, you know, her heart was, was glowing, you know, that she seemed to be a really nice girl. I just prayed. And all of a sudden, I got this picture of Jesus standing outside of her. And it was like, hold the phone. She's not saved. He's not inside her. And so I stopped and I said, has she ever accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior? And, and the 14-year-old girl shook her head, no. She never had. And I said, would you be willing to do that today? He has revealed himself to you and mm-hmm. shown you that he sees you. Yeah. He's inviting you into a relationship today. Would you ask him to be your Lord? And she shook her head, yes. And so she, I led her through the prayer and she wept and she wept and then she hugged everybody and then afterwards, she started talking. So this was wow. just another example of wow, God. That's awesome, man. Thank you, Les. Awesome. So here's the last thing I want to say from this text. And then I want us to pray for the grown dolls and for baby Danny. And then for anybody here who has never given your life to Jesus, Jesus is calling you today. His invitation is open to you today to come to him for the forgiveness of your sins. He's the only way to heaven. It's not by our goodness. It's by his goodness that we get in. But out of this text, I want to say something really important that will, will really encourage you. You notice that the boy who was at the point of death, it wasn't his faith that healed him. There are times when Jesus will say, because of your unbelief or because of your faith, it's undeniable, it's in the scriptures, you just, we just got to own it if it's on us, we have to own it. If I have a lack of faith, I want Jesus to tell me and I'll get some more by going into prayer and in the word and get more faith for the thing in front of me. Sometimes you just don't have it. Sometimes you just can't get it. That's when you depend on the faith of your friends. I've depended on the faith of my friends. I thank God for some like one of our senior leaders, Jan Lennington, who's here. There are times when I, I just haven't seen my own personal potential or whatever, and she'll just speak to me what she sees for me, and it just fills me with vision and faith. I'm like, thank God, you know. Or my wife, when I wanted to quit and just I've lost faith, and she'll remind me who I am and what God's called me to do, and she breathes faith into me. It's important to have friends around you. Who have faith. A friend of mine one time saw this group of kids and they were praying for this girl at a, at a youth camp and they, she was sick and they kept saying, you know, you, you need to have more faith. You need to have more faith. And they finally left her in that condition where she did get healed and they kept telling her, you need to have more faith. And my friend Steve Foss walked up to her and said, hey, you can get healed on my faith. And he prayed for her and she was healed. So this boy got healed by his dad's faith. So there's a couple pieces of good news here. One, you can be healed 
but somebody else's faith when you just don't have it. Secondly, others can be healed by your faith when they don't have it. Isn't that good news? And that's called the body of Christ. Mark, you have something? And then we want to make sure we pray for the Gronin dolls, for baby Danny. And then we're going to have prayer teams come down here to pray for anybody in the house. Three things. One, either for healing. Two, for salvation. Or three, maybe for an impartation of anointing and faith that when you leave here, you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to begin praying for the sick, believing God for miracles and wonders, and just see what happens. Mark? Just a couple of comments. Um, I studied physical healing, not exorcisms, but physical healing in Jesus' ministry. It's a bit hard to say because there's some incidents that appear to be reported, maybe same incident reported twice, but you can't quite tell. But um, there's 19 incidents of uh, physical healing, specific vignettes where you can identify the characters and how the person was healed. Of the 19, 13 the text clearly says faith was the reason for their healing. But of the 13, eight were the faith of friends and family. Oh, Only awesome. five were the faith of the sick person. Oh, so more often, God will use the faith of the community rather than the individual. So when we say you have to have faith to get healed, what we really should say is I have to have faith to see them get healed. Hmm. Because the burden of carrying faith belongs to the community, not just to the individual. Do you remember when Jesus came down off the mountain? And he said, what's going on here? And the disciples said, we could not heal this man's son. It wasn't the son's faith. No. The man had enough faith yes. to bring him to the, to the followers of Jesus. Yeah. It was the disciples' lack of faith, not the individual's lack of faith. So we've got to be very careful not to traumatize people that are sick. Because when you're really in distress, your faith is very low. Mm. The person that's not in distress, your faith tends to be much higher. That's good. So that's just an important thing to know. But on praying for the Gruden dolls, this is really what I wanted to say. Uh, we were praying on Wednesday night at our uh, Connect group. And they're watching, by the way. We were praying for you guys on Wednesday night at our Connect group. And the Lord spoke to me. And this is the problem we often have when someone is very, very sick. Like the baby is very, very sick. So what happens is all of our prayers are focused on the baby. But it's the family as a unit that's suffering as well. And the Lord showed me that the Gruden dolls have been in a war. Hmm. This is not one incident with a sick child. This is years of taking care of special needs kids who are many times close to death. And when you live in a constant war, uncertain as to what's going to happen, and it's a life and death situation, this is no different than being in a battle. And that battle, after a while, becomes normal to you, hmm. which is what's really tragic. You become so accustomed to life and death issues that you, you're, you physically and emotionally and spiritually even adjust to that battle to where you don't realize how bad it is until you get a little break in it and then you completely fall apart. And we have focused our prayers on the children, but that's a mistake. We need to focus our prayers as well on Laura and Jim and Honey, and Rachel, and Tim, the whole family carries this, and they suffer through this. And I know from talking to Laura that this is an extreme situation for them. So let's focus as much on praying for strength, and courage, and, and uh, restoration, and spiritual rest, physical rest, that the Lord will touch them in a way of comfort that they've never experienced before. Because otherwise... It's not, a, it's not a complete win. You know, if all you do is win this incident, there's still damaged and hurt people that have to live through this. So let's focus as much so on the why don't family. you lead us in prayer right now? Let's okay. Come on, church. Let's pray for them. Father, the tragedy that I see here is that until we've suffered like this, we mm. don't understand what it is and we don't understand what it does. We can't really know how hard it is to watch children you love in and out of death on a regular basis, living at the hospital day after day, week after week, back and forth, back and forth. We have no understanding of what that suffering is. But God, we can pray for them. Father, we can pray for them. So right now, in the authority of the mm. Lord Jesus yes, Christ. Lord. Yes, we Jesus. agree yes, as yes, one yes. people, yes. one community, and yes. one body. We have been given your authority, so we're going to release your healing.
we agree to the release of comfort, your presence, your words, your love, everything that this family needs to carry on mm. and to survive this and, and, and come to know you in a, in a deeper way that they've never known you before. We pray your presence to them. Yes, we Lord. pray your healing to them. We release your comfort to them in the all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Jesus, a wave of to healing. To this family. Come over this family. And comfort and your presence yes, like they've Lord. never experienced it before. Yes, God. And Lord, we pray for this baby. Yes, Danny. Lord Jesus, for little Danny. Yes, Lord. Lord that, you will, that you will touch him with healing, Lord. Yes, yes, That you will yes. end this craziness that even the doctors can't understand. Yes, a wonder. Yes, that we will have something so astounding that people Jesus. just say, well, I guess there's a God. Yes, because Lord. I just saw his fingerprints. Jesus. Praise so we release your healing Praise power Lord. to him healing right miracle, now. Jesus. Lord. And that comfort, Lord, we pray it extends to everyone God, in this house that's suffering. Miracle. To Marcia and Jeff. Being, Lord, a complete miracle. To Hope, to Bella, to Shelley. Yes, Lord. To Shells, to so many people that are coping with Maru. Yes, Lord, Lord, chronic pain in a battle constantly. Lord, we pray you intervene. We release your healing power to these families right now. And your presence and the experience of your fatherly love. We have the authority to release it. We say we release it in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord Jesus. As we were praying, uh, God gave me a picture as he often speaks to me through pictures. And it was of of the ancient Roman um, soldiers who formed what they called a tortoise shell, and it was their shields, and they would form this uh, formation where no one could penetrate because all of their shields were lifted high, yeah. and they were so close together, nothing could penetrate that. And God reminded me that we all have a shield of faith. And if we raise our shield of faith together as a community, not only will we protect who's behind us, but the enemy won't be able to penetrate any of us because we are all together in unity raising our faith. And so those who may not have faith, those who may be the weak ones or the ones who have been in the battle for years and and are downtrodden and, and frustrated and and hurt and low in faith, if we raise our shields of faith together, we will form a, a body, a, an army that is impenetrable. And that's what we did this morning. And that's what God is requiring of us as we move forward from this day on. As a body, we must raise our shields together. We must not be the lone wolf. I reached out to some ladies this week for a finger that was killing me. And I didn't know. Normally, I wouldn't say, hey, guys, pray for my finger. I would just pray for it or I have my kids pray with me. But God challenged me. No, reach out to the body. Get them involved. You're a team. You're a body. And together as soul. You come against these things. And so I'm challenging you just as much as I'm challenging myself. Don't be the lone wolf. Don't be the one that's weak and, and unable to fight the battle. Come together because as we do it, as we raise our shield together, we will see God do not only miracles and signs, but wonders. And we will be strengthened and we as a group, as a, as a unit, will all become strong. Amen. Woo! Amen. Well, hey, 